This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 162 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US, and you can find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, our roundtable is with Lizzie Meyer and Kathy McEnroe. We focus on managing the stress in our animals and ourselves. In Critter Nutrition, Tigger shares her new favorite products. Join us. Coach Jen, Patty took the day off, and you know something? Looking at how things are going thus far, uh, she could be glad she did. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a ch- it's been a challenging technology podcast thus far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, it has, and uh, and it just reminds me how, um, as much as we rely on technology, man, when it doesn't work. It is worse than ha- having going back to the old telephone and you know carrier pigeons. Yeah, I think you're right, and I often wonder to myself because I deal with technology for a living. Basically, I'm kind of in charge of yes, buttons and knobs, and I think part of it is for most of us, we know so little about how it actually works. It's it's a little bit. Sure. In the 1950s, the internal combustion engine was relatively simple compared to what it is now. There did, it didn't have any computer parts. It was all right. mechanical. So a lot of people knew a great deal about how it worked. And when things yeah. went wrong, if they didn't, they were at least able to diagnose what the problem was, if not fix it themselves. And I think part of it is computers have gotten to the point now that there's so little that most of us know about it when they are not working right. The frustration level just skyrockets immediately because you look at the thing and go, what do I do <laughs> beyond reboot? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's the, the, the stress level fall. really, really goes up in a hurry. It, yeah, it does. Yeah, It's a little, and it's I, a little I, bit I, like too, when you have a puppy and the puppy's whining and your stress level shoots up because you have no idea why the puppy is whining. Okay, do you need to go out? Are you hungry? Do you need your belly scratched? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know, it, 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 sometimes it makes me, after the stress is over, I kind of get irritated that I'm so tied into technology. You know, it's the, the other side of it is, mm-hmm. wow, I mean, technology is running my life. And when it doesn't go well, it just throws me... Well, it it might feel like it's running your life because, again, when it's not functioning well, we, as laypersons, do not have the ability to make it go right versus um, when you take care of your chickens, when things aren't going well, you know a good bit about taking care of chickens. You know how to steer it properly again so the chickens aren't running your life. And I think that might feed into 
how we frequently feel like the technology is controlling our life because we have no way to control the technology simply because we don't understand it. It, it also is so deep in our culture, way of business. I, I mean, we are so wedded to it. Oh, goodness, yes. It, oh, it, yeah. It's, it's almost like water. <laughs> but I discovered today... Um, I called in a pro to help me with some of my technology earlier today. And by the time I got done with the pro, cost me a few dollars and a few more dollars and a few more dollars to hire this pro for a while. But it's amazing how much stress, just learning that little bit about the technology I was having difficulty with, huge difference in the stress level immediately. Just learning the basics of how this particular piece of technology was was going wrong and what I could do to make it better. So maybe, um, at least for me, in this case, for me at least, there will be more um, sessions with this professional on working on this technology so I learn more about it so that I am not so stressed. Because even if I can't fix it, just knowing, oh, that that terrible sound coming from the car engine is... Because yes, the timing belt is going bad. I, I can't change right. a timing belt, but at least I go, oh, I know I need to pull into a, a automobile dealership really quick here. Just that yeah, much information really can really reduce your stress, right? Yeah. So, true. absolutely. You know, true. Knowledge is power, and right? I, I, it absolutely is. And I think um, it's pretty clear that nerds will rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> nerds, nerds will rule the world. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, on the flip side, for someone who grew up in an urban environment, to suddenly toss them out into a backcountry type of environment, that person might feel the same level of stress that you do when you're fighting with your computer. Because it's yeah. all completely unfamiliar. Yeah. So stress can come from places that you really don't expect it to, or stress for someone else might come from a place that you go, really? That's stress? It, it's different for every person, and it's also different for lots of different animals. So it's going to be a fun conversation we're having on the show today while we when we talk to Kathy and Lizzie about stress and us and our animals and helping to deal with it and maybe even reduce it a little bit. So why don't we get started? Let's go. And we are now at Roundtable and we have two of my favorite guests, uh, Kathy McEnroe, who is a sport therapist for horses and Lizzie Meyer, who is a Biostar canine consultant and also has her own uh, consulting business helping um, people and their animals. So welcome, Lizzie and Kathy. Thank you. And, and the reason I wanted these two particular women is the topic is managing the stress in our animals and ourselves. And because all of us, all three of us, and certainly our listeners out there, we know that our animals are under various degrees of stress. 
we see it manifested in having to treat the horses for ulcers or maybe some performance issues in dogs. It is often um, exhibited by a strange and unusual stool, either <laughs> projectile or um, they start licking and scratching. They maybe seem more uncomfortable. And because so many animals are being affected by stress, Kathy and Lizzie are just two, for me, the best people to talk about how do we make this better for the animals. And I think it starts with the humans. So, Kathy, what can, what can we humans do to help the horses and dogs? That's an excellent question, uh, and, and it's not so easy to answer, right? I mean, in a perfect world, they would live out in a field 24-7 in a herd. Yeah. But, you know, and not to say that there isn't stress with them living outside in a herd. That, that brings on its own sorts of stress, right? Right. And so uh, you take these horses and... Uh, in, I mean, I mostly work in show stables, so I'm working in herds of horses that travel. I mean, they travel together. Uh, you know, they go on the trailer together. They know each other. They stable together. So there is somewhat of a herd setting for the horses. And honest, honestly, I think that is helpful. I, I think when these horses have a consistent group that they live with, competing, I think it reduces their stress because uh, they really rely on each other as they would in a herd. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I don't think people really think about that enough. You know, almost, you know, some of the stables I go in, the placement of where they put the horses in the stalls, they always put the same horses near each other or they're very thoughtful when they're shipping that they ship them in a way that they're with their buddies. And I think that really is a very underrated thing that a very good horseman recognizes to reduce That's a very stress good on point. that. Yeah, people mm -hmm. don't think enough about that. You know, so that's kind of the first piece that I always see is when they ship in, you know, how stressed are they? And as far as the human, what I see is uh, whether it's a manager or a trainer that's very organized and, you know, kind of the fearless leader as you would in the herd, you know, if mm -hmm. that person is writing a schedule the same time every day, um, letting everyone know, you know, what the schedule is for those horses the next day, letting the grooms know, you know, what the same time every day to let those grooms know, what the plan is for tomorrow. I, I mean, I'm actually sitting here watching one show stable writing their board. Everybody's gathered around kind of watching the schedule be written for tomorrow. And you literally can see a peacefulness come over the group. Like before they do that, everybody starts to get, the humans start to get a little anxious and it's reflected in the horses. It's, you know, the horses are hanging their heads out. They have their grooms that they know. And they totally feed off of, um, you know, their caregivers, the grooms. And, um, you know, that's another thing. I think really 
giving the grooms a schedule, letting them know the day before, you know, what the schedule is going to be for tomorrow. They come, they come in more confident and relaxed with their horses. And that mm-hmm. makes a tremendous difference. Tremendous difference. Yeah. What do you see in the bodies of the stressed horses? Oh, it's always digestive related. Okay. Always. I mean, when I work at the racetrack, those horses' manure is so loose because it's a very high-stress environment. You know, even though they get excellent care, it's just a very that's a very high-stress environment. Those horses are younger, and um, I think it's stressful for them. So, uh, you know, typically, you know, say, for example, you have a horse that sees something off in the distance. And that they don't recognize and, you know, they're spinning around the stall and all of a sudden they have shooting diarrhea. So it's directly related. What do you feel in terms of the, their muscles? Because sometimes when I'm with a stressed horse, not only do I see it in their eyes, but their whole posture. Uh, tight. They're very tight. The muscles are tight. And what would you yeah. typically do to untighten them? I mean, would well, there be modalities that you would use? Yeah, I do a variety of things with them. Um, the first thing is you want to make sure that uh, they're doing enough cooling down and warming up walking in their program to keep the muscles oxygenated. You know, that's the number one thing. If they're not bathing them with cold, cold water, that will tighten and that'll stress the horse too. Um you know, there's a variety of different uh, modalities that people use, um, different blankets and things that you can use to help them to relax. Some people use flower essences. Uh, some people use laser on the quieting acupuncture point. Some people, the vets do some acupuncture for that. I think it's Acupuncture is very helpful for um, relieving stress in horses, especially mares respond really well to that. So there's a variety of things you can do for that. What do you do for the the barns that um, have to deal with barn drama? How would you help the humans in that situation? That's a great that's a great um, question. And what I really do is I focus on the groom. Like when there's drama going on, um, it's typically the grooms are not involved in that. The grooms are very focused on taking their horses and doing their job. So if there's any drama happening, I start to focus on the grooms to make sure what they have. You know, for example, like I make sure I fill the cooler with Gatorade or coconut water for them. You know, something just to kind of keep them going to let them know that somebody's you know, let them know that somebody's concerned with their well-being. And if I can, you know, help them stay focused and, you know, pay attention to their concerns with their horses, and we just ignore it. <laughs> you know, I, I learned at the racetrack, there was a foreman there one day that was a very difficult person, and he was causing a lot of stress in the barn. And I went to the foreman, I said, what are you going to do about that guy? And he said, look, He's a very good groom, but we learn to work around them. And I thought that was a great, that's been very helpful to me. I think of that all the time. You learn to work around them. 
You know, like if there's drama going on, let them spin. Don't get involved. Stay focused on your horses. And it's interesting because if the grooms stay focused on their horses, the horses don't pick up on any of it at all. I mean, it, it's a little bit even like the, the owners and riders. They don't pick it up, pick up on it as much if the grooms are grounded. The grooms can diffuse it. Gotcha. Right. Well, that's huge. Yep. Well, it would be, you know, if you have a herd setting in the wild and, and there's a perceived threat, if you have a few individuals in the herd that are confident that that's not really a threat, it can calm the whole herd. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what's important. Don't focus on the drama. I I don't always think that we humans remember that the horses are so incredibly intuitive that they pick up on our stress. If we're having a bad day, if we had a fight with our husband or our boyfriend or our employer, um, and we bring that to the barn and we bring it into a stall, the horses pick right up on that. Yes. Yes. I don't have and, any suggestions to what to do. <laughs> <laughs> have to talk to a sports psychologist or something. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm big on uh, you know Tulsi and ashwagandha tea, uh, and and I think being mindful, knowing that no matter what stuff you've got going on, the moment you step into the barn, that's kind of a sacred space. Yes, and I think I think the grooms understand that. Yeah, because they're from typically from different cultures. Yes, so we have a hard time with that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> do you think that there that that we increase the stress on our horses because we increase it on ourselves with our technology? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, there's a cowboy I worked with years ago, and he said the horse is a reflection of the rider. So it's almost like they're a sponge. They just pick up whatever we have. They're going to pick that up. So, you know, yeah, put down all your cell phones and devices when you go out and ride your horse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because they want to connect with us. Yes. They want to connect. And any tips for the traveling dogs? Because your two dogs do a tremendous amount of traveling with you. Let's see. Tips for the traveling dogs. Um, Yes. Same thing. I feel like a routine really promotes calmness. So I have the same routine um, when I'm traveling with my dogs. And whether we're on the road or we're away from home, um, I try to keep, I feed them the same time every day. I feed them twice a day. I feed them the same time every day. If I know, if I know I'm not going to be back at my little motor home, I bring my food with me so that they eat at the same time. And I think that's huge. I think mm-hmm. just the consistency of the structure is really important. And also, You know, when they're encountering, we encounter a lot of strange things, different dogs. I don't put them in situations that are going to make them feel stressed. 
you know, they sit outside the stall with me while I'm working on the horses, and they're they're pretty happy. Well, Lizzie, how to recognize what stresses your dog and how to work with it or through it or around it or... Well, I, it, it sounds like with her dogs, they're so used to being outside of the stall and just being calm and, and probably, you know, connected with her while she's working. That would be very, um, probably the least stressful option for them. But I don't know if her dogs may just be used to a lot of distractions and other dogs. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how, um, you know, other than lots of mileage, <laughs> um, that you could, you could do that just over time. But, but it sounds like just if, you know, if in that situation, if they're fine with it, it's part of their kind of job description, if you will, that works for them. Um, but I would imagine for a, a dog who's not used to that type of um, routine or lifestyle or expectation, it would be stressful for the human to kind of guard the dog from distracting, uh, distracting events or other animals or stimuli that would, you know, create more stress for everybody. Mm-hmm. It sounds like kind of knowing what environment your dog is okay with or what could be kind of triggering and setting them up for success would be... Without getting um, stressed yourself. That would be the the part. That's that's a huge part. Exactly. Because it could be a trigger for us, the owner. Oh, my God, there's that big blah, blah dog. And my dog mm-hmm. is afraid of other dogs, especially big dogs. And so right. we transmit that down the leash to the collar. And then our dog gives the appropriate response, which is, ah! Right. We're already rehearsing a story in our mind before anything has even happened. And if that story is based on, you know, truth from the past, our dog is still seeing that as the present moment and is going to create a response or a reaction to that frequency. And since um, I believe they think in pictures, um, if we see something that we know may be stressful or we're concerned about it being stressful or triggering to the dog and we're already you know, visualizing that, or we're just feeling anxious, that's enough for them to pick it up. Just like you're saying. So what are some good techniques to, for the human to make that disconnect with anxiety or the old pictures? Well, well, um, I, I would just say that, you know, it, someone who who has dogs not as a dog trainer there may be you know other perspectives on that end but just living with dogs who have had a variety of triggers the thing that helps me the most is to acknowledge that this one thing is likely to be a trigger and so I'm I see it I know the truth of that um I'm not trying to avoid it and I'm not um, ignoring it. 
So I just see it, I know it, and then I just try to stay as neutral as possible while I'm imagining what would I rather this dog do? What would be best case scenario? And so I will project in my mind best case scenario in in terms of what does that look like, like a slideshow. So I'll break it down step by step. What will it look like for the dog and myself together in that situation? And how would I like to feel at the end of that whole situation? And throughout that experience, I, in order to stay grounded and to stay neutral and to give the dog a chance to do something different um, in the positive, it's very helpful to do a, um, a type of uh, breathing. It's from the heart math work that I do, and it's just called the quick coherence. And it basically connects your brain with your heart, just connects those energies, and it allows you to be in a more neutral place where you're not um, in those spirals of kind of depleting emotions, so like the worry, the fear, the anticipation, and the old stressors. It's kind of a nutshell. So that way I'm giving the dog the best chance to do something different. And I'm also giving myself the best chance not to go into a stress cascade, which mm-hmm. the dog is going to mirror. Absolutely. Yep. Just like the horses, like Kathy was saying. Yeah. So it's a conscious, it's a conscious, um, I want to say effort. Effort is the fitting word for the beginning when you're first learning how to do this because it is a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time, it becomes just second nature. And all the way through it, you can still, you know, communicate with your dog and just, you know, just let them know all along that you're, you know, you're doing a great job, just little reassuring things when the dog is being calm and doing what you would like them to do instead, because everyone is, is looking for what feels better. The dogs want to please us, right? Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't want us to be upset with them and stressed out. And they don't, I don't think they want us to avoid every possible thing that could create for them because they want to be with us most of them right so it's, it's worth the little bit of effort to kind of train ourselves first and then set the dog up for success and sometimes that does require working with a you know tra- an actual trainer but mm-hmm. on the human side I, I just work with what I can do for myself and I'm usually pleasantly surprised by, by what my dogs do um, over time, sometimes it's not instant, but you've got to trust that it does sort of unfold in small but noticeable ways over time. And we just have to keep reinforcing positive experiences. You know, uh, something that, that I do um, to train myself out of the cycle of reaction, stress, anxiety mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is um, I'm t- kind of a type A personality and you really see that when I drive. Mm. And 
if somebody cuts me off, my normal reaction is to let loose swear words that probably should never be linked together. <laughs> and or I'm I have to get somewhere and there's a traffic jam or an accident and my patience just goes totally out the window. So I've taught myself in those situations, I just tell myself, soften. Mm-hmm. And just saying that word, I start relaxing. Soft. soft. That's great. And it's it's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. It gets me out of that, you know, move you blobity blob blinkity <laughs> blink drivers. Um and it really works with the dogs. If I remember, because that's the other part, you have to be so in the moment when there's some reactivity or something that's setting right. the human stress to remember soften. Lizzie, what are some of the common human stress triggers for dogs? That's a really good question. I feel like when, for for myself, if I am really anxious about something, my dog, my cats, everybody picks up on it. Um, so kind of that, you know, if you have like a looping thought that you just can't, you know, get rid of or diffuse, um, animals tend to pick up on that type of thing easily. So if there's, um, like a relationship issue going on with another human or, um, you know, a deadline or something that we're kind of stressed about just in our own lives, they're, they're going to pick up on that type of thing. And then there's, you know, there's the other things like weather, barometric changes, stuff like that. But the things that... How we, about when we, there's health issues with the dog? That's when you and I see a lot of human stress. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. So when when the dog is experiencing like a chronic health issue, um, and then we as humans get worried about it in our quest to try to fix it, it's really easy to over like we either like over researching it or um, where where we look at the dog that might just be sleeping and we're projecting all of our concerns about the condition that they have and wondering what more we can do. Um, that, that seems to be pretty common. And, and, and also like if you're on a walk with your dog, who has something chronic going on. It's really easy to tell, you know, your friend who you're walking with about the, the story that the dog has, the things, going on and that just brings mm-hmm. that story and the energy again and the dog uh, is feeling all of that so what would be a few quick tips for the human that has a dog that's perhaps dealing with um, a chronic issue or the, the human is worried maybe about an aging dog or, you know, allergies, mm-hmm. et cetera. 
Yeah. So in those situations, again, I, I think one of the fastest ways to kind of diffuse it is just to acknowledge out loud to your dog, I see, you know, I see that you're aging, it's harder for you to get up, or basically state the obvious of what you can concretely observe about your dog. So you're saying it in a non-emotional, non-attached way, just the facts. And then that allows you to detach and kind of step back and say, okay, now where do I go with my problem solving? Or what kind of accommodations do I need to make to make this easier for everyone involved? Because if we approach those situations from this concerned, very, very you know, valid, validly concerned um, point of view, we're making more emotional and reactive decisions that are coming from that kind of fear and worry and all those things that the animals pick up on. Mm-hmm. So in stepping back, we're actually giving, in the example of the aging dog, we're giving them a gift of peace while we figure out what we need to do, if anything, if we need to do anything at all. So right. it's just coming from that non-reactive, however you center or ground or soften, you're coming from that place versus the spinning story, drama, old history in the past. That kind of um, that kind of energy, nothing great ever comes out of that. And the, the animal's always going to be more stressed if the caregiver is coming from that angle. Very good point. And, and I, I just want to say to kind of um, really illustrate this, uh, for our listeners, we've had some technical difficulties today. Um, while we've been recording and um, I've gotten a little anxious about it and um, I've been telling myself to soften which I will do for a couple seconds and then something else in the technical aspect of uh, doing a podcast pops up and then I stress right again and my young dog Keen came over and he was like staring at me and panting and I really wanted him to lie down. And all I said was, I, I just said, I love you. And he down he went. And he's been down ever since. That was perfect. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty perfect. So thank you, Keen, for another great lesson. And thank you, Lizzie. Um, You're welcome. I, I, really, I really think since stress is at the root of so many problems, health problems for humans and for animals, that it's sort of become my passion to, you know, we can't stamp out stress, but we can certainly help minimize it, our reaction to it, and come out of it easier than without some basic tools. So thank you so much. I know you're you're sitting in a parking lot in Texas, which is not exactly uh, cool and uh uh, fall weather these days. So thank you so much for bringing your insight and wisdom to healthy critters. Oh, you're welcome. I found a shady tree. It's no problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you all very much. Yeah. Greetings, Hedwig. 
Greg. Hello, friends. I hear that things are chaotic and miserable, and I'm here to make your day better. <gasps> oh, thank you, Hedwig. Ready at any time to improve the lot of others. I'm a giver. And you're a giver, and it sounds to me like your siblings are nearby. Everyone is here to give. Oh, I love that. Well, actually, that that was what we were going to ask you about. I was going to ask you, tell, tell us about your favorite ways to help your stressed human servant feel better. This is a challenging one. Okay. Um, uh, I encourage her to pick up pets that are not me and hold them so that she will get a nice serotonin boost. Okay. Um, I allow her to scratch under my collar, which makes me very happy and thus allows her some joy. Oh, when she scratches under your collar, do you make those happy puppy faces? Does your little foot go? Uh, I do my, like, gaspy purr face. <laughs> okay. I can see I'm feeling better already just imagining that, Hedwig. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, another thing is she can take us for bacon, and that makes her very happy. Takes you for where does she take you for bacon? To the deli in town. To the deli in town. <laughs> Please tell me you have cooked bacon. Oh yes, of course. She's not eat raw bacon. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's disgusting. Do you like your ba- your bacon crispy or or a little softer? Very crispy. Crispy. Very crispy. Yes. Crispy mm-hmm. bacon. I see. Now, do you eat your bacon delicately in small bites, or you just take that whole slice and chow it down? Well, the um, side of bacon from the deli comes with six pieces, and each piece is divided into five, so we each get a small bite, at, but for six. I see. Bacon in moderation, despite the fact that it's the most yummiest food in the world. Yes, because she could buy just a package for each of us, but she says that that is ridiculous. Oh, I think I'm. I think I'm on your page with bacon. I think that you, you, Ped, Hedwig, the universe's only podcasting Pomeranian, sh- should and does deserve an entire pack of cooked bacon. I do. I deserve at least one of those a day. <laughs> Do your do your siblings have other ways that they like to like to help the human feel better? Yes, my sister Christabel allows the human to pick her up and pat her head and peas blossom whenever she notices that the human is anxious will lie right on top of the human and you know that's supposed to help in some way. And my sister Mustard seed has recently decided she's a pet. I don't know if I've mentioned this, but after several years of being mostly feral, now she's a pet. And so she likes to be carried around like a stuffy. Oh, very interesting. Now, you probably don't care care to be carried around like a pet? No, thank you so much. I don't like to be carried. I like to be on a surface patted. I understand. Yeah, yeah. That floating in midair thing is just not for you. No, mm-mm. no I, I don't see. feel safe. No, I, don't, I don't blame you a bit. Flying bothers me, so I understand completely. It's best to have the floor underneath your paws. I think that's a grand idea. Well, I tell you, this has been a stressful show thus far, Hedwig, and yes. I feel yes. better already. How about you, Tigger? I do, too. There we hey, go. Eddie, oh, well, I love everyone. You're good at just eating a piece of cheese. I love cheese. Now, go tell your human that you deserve an extra portion of bacon when you go to the deli next time for helping us out. Yeah.
Yep. I'm on it. Okay. I'm on it. Okay. Well, thank you, Hedwig. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Who knew? Who knew? Bacon. Would bacon. Would be a stress release. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a new tip for you. There you go. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and I'm going to share with you a few of my favorite things of 2022. I, I spend an inordinate amount of time researching raw materials, and I often come across new supplements, formulations, and products I haven't seen before. The curious scientist in me, who moonlights as a proverbial guinea pig, loves to try new-to-me products for my dogs, my horses, and myself. Here are a few of my new favorites, and a couple of fails. Eureka from my thunderstorm dog. I have tried many different CBD products for Crockett, who is one of my Aussies that is thunderstorm averse. His panting alone has the respiration RPM of a jet engine. Even Biostar's own Theracom canine plus an additional CBD product isn't enough to reduce his anxiety once he hears a rumble of thunder. I tried a thunder shirt and he did nothing but growl his displeasure. I've tried a total of 15 CBD products for dogs. I know it's a matter of finding the right one for this dog, but after 15 attempts, I had pretty much given up. Then I found Elevet. Elevet, in association with Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine, conducted the first ever clinical trial on dogs using Elevet CBD. Naturally, despite the clinical trial, I was skeptical. I had tried so many other CBD products that didn't help, but hope springs eternal, and I bought the Elevet, Elevet CBD plus CBDA oil for dogs. It worked. Panted lust. He wasn't shaking and barking. Crockett is very smart, and if I let him out and he senses there's a storm coming, even though the local forecast predicts no storms, he will not go outside. That's when I give him the Elevet right then and there. Undoubtedly, within an hour or so, a thunderstorm will arrive, or at least the thunder part, but with Elevet on board, he can deal with it. I also tried Elevet on my Aussie Keen, who zigged instead of zagged and sprained his foot. He held his paw up to show me and limped into the house. I gave him the homeopathic remedy Arnica immediately, and that night gave him Elevet. The next morning, he was totally sound. I've been feeding air-dried garlic granules, bug-off garlic from springtime feeds, for at least 10 years. It's a terrific product, and it does help with bug control. I never had a palatability issue with it until this spring, when two of my retired horses decided they would not eat it. They would not eat it in alfalfa pellets, not in timothy pellets, and not mixed with Renew Gold. It was one of those, oh, crap, moments. Luckily, my online searching led me to Redmond Natural Salt Block with Garlic. I first tried the salt block with garlic, and all five horses took turns licking it. I decided it was worth trying the crushed version as well so I could add it to their feed, and I'm happy to report that even the picky eaters are eating it. Yay! For humans, stay cool with hibiscus. In Ayurvedic medicine, hibiscus removes heat from the body. In traditional Indian culture, hibiscus flowers are associated with the elephant-headed god Ganesha, 
who is said to grant the realization of all our life goals. I stumbled upon the properties of hibiscus while researching something else and decided I'd try it. When we had a hot patch of weather in June, I got out my hibiscus tea and made some. It was incredibly refreshing and nurturing. Tulsi hibiscus tea is made by one of my favorite tea companies, Organic India. A blend of the stress-balancing Tulsi plant with cooling hibiscus, it's perfect for a hot summer day or days. I make the tea and let it cool, then drink it at room temperature or over a little ice. Sometimes I add a sprig of mint from my garden. Hibiscus has a long history of use for uplifting the heart physically and spiritually. It is also rich in antioxidants such as beta-carotene, vitamin C, and anthocyanin. Now that we are in the dog days of summer, I drink my Tulsi hibiscus tea every afternoon. The Tulsi keeps me balanced and the hibiscus keeps me cool. Supplements to combat stress. One day while down the rabbit hole, I came across a company called Micro that blends medicinal mushrooms with raw honey and Ayurvedic plants. Intrigued, I read up on their formulas and decided to try their vitality supplement. This supplement balances mood, increases focus, and helps reduce inflammation. Vitality includes cordyceps, lion's mane, turkey tail, chaga, ashwagandha, rhodiola, shatavari, and shilajit in cacao-infused honey. I mean, cacao, how could I refuse? It is delicious, as in lip-smacking yummy. The Vitality Supplement takes like a chocolate brownie with earth notes. This supplement is taken by the spoonful, recommended one tablespoon per day, but I have felt the benefits just using one teaspoon per day. It has really helped my wonky knee, and for some reason, I find a lot more things to laugh about. My significant other, Peter, loves the Activate Supplement, which is a mood enhancer that also boosts energy and reduces anxiety. It provides reishi, lion's mane, turkey tail, shaga, cordyceps, ashwagandha, rhodiola, shatavari, elderberries, roasted almonds, raw honey, and cacao butter. For the home, I love roaming around Kickstarter, and I've purchased a large variety of their entrepreneurial products. There have been some purchases that turn into giant disappointments, but there have also been some real winners. This spring on Kickstarter, I discovered Sponge Kick, 100% biodegradable cellulose and hemp sponge with a dryer that sanitizes the sponge between uses. Developed in the EU, I found this sponge to be fun to use, attractive, and although thinner than American sponges, it works great, and I love the sanitation feature and the fact that it's biodegradable. The fails. And then there were the bombs. I tried a powdered whole food blend, I won't name names, that was designed to be added to water or a smoothie. When I opened the package, I was so shocked, I was afraid to try it. While I understand how traveling through the shipping system can ruin a nicely packaged box, this looked like someone just threw in a bunch of packets and said, who cares? The packets were clear, which was nice, but the look of the blended powders was horrifying. There really wasn't much blending. You could look at it and you couldn't look at it and say yum. I did try one. It mixed poorly and it tasted old, like those powders had been sitting around for a while. 
The other bomb was a puppy warming pad I had purchased for a future puppy litter. It didn't work. We tried it three times with three different electric outlets. I called the company I bought it from to request a return. Customer service said that I had to call the company who made it and get return authorization from them. I said, are you kidding? I bought it from you. Customer service said, sorry, you have to get authorization from the manufacturer. I said, can you get it for me? No, was the reply. I chose to support this small company, even though the product was sold on Amazon. I would not now purchase from them if they gave me a gift certificate. This experience highlighted for me how important customer service is. It's important to put the customer first and make returns easy. Biostar takes these elements very seriously, I am proud to say. Well, that about wraps it up for today. If you are new to the Healthy Critters radio podcast, welcome. The show posts on the 10th and the 25th of each month. Hit the subscribe button on your player. That way you'll never miss an episode. Is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. 